0: Okay. <clears throat> In a case? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Black and Red Book Review Podcast. Uh, I am Doc. I'm going to dispense with the usual introduction because this is part two of a two-parter episode. So yesterday I went through a text by noted American fascist and conservative uh, operator Willis Cartel, who is the editor of Plutocracy versus Populism. Uh, which was fundamentally a dishonest text Willis Carto didn't believe uh, America was run by a plutocracy Nor was he advocating populism uh, But he had to sort of slide his way into more mainstream American conservative thought Now, to help lay out uh, where the line is between white nationalism and mainstream conservative thought I have an expert on mainstream conservative thought And friend of the pod, my buddy Hayward Hello Hayward, how are you? Ah, my back hurts uh, It's about usual for yeah. you Yeah So, uh, for those folks who don't know, Hayward is also the host of his own podcast project, which I believe
1: this might be released as a dual recording. So, would you like to plug your shit while you're here? Yeah, absolutely. I'll plug my shit. And uh, I was going to ask you if I could just mooch off of you for another episode, and here we are uh, doing that. shows how well uh, united we are in thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, the podcast is called Autonomia, A-F-T-O-N-O-M-I-A. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other random sites that just pull from them somehow. Cause I found it in weird sites where I'm like, I don't know what this is.
0: I mean, to be fair, that's how Black and Red Book Reviews started. Like, most of season one is over on Podbean. Uh, yeah. And then I set up an account with Anchor, which sends it to Spotify and a bunch of other shit. I've been trying to add musical segments to these episodes, but Spotify keeps fucking me over in that regard. What about... A computer. Do you, do you have a computer? I do not. I live I think off... That's, yeah. That would probably help, that's yeah. That's probably why. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, anyway, as I was saying, yesterday we did a Willis Cartos text, which is uh, pretty bland and boring, even by this podcast standards. Uh, you can tell when a writer's trying to bullshit his way through an argument that he fundamentally doesn't have any real faith in...
1: <sighs> uh, yeah, it's always a bummer when you hear right-wing people talk about, you know, plutocracy versus populism and be like, hey... You know, I'm advocating populism. Like, are you though? Like, look at a, a fascist country that isn't. You know, like, <laughs> wow. Well, and
0: this is what it made me think of reading you on too. So, in his book, he lays out. Uh, it's not his book personally. He was the head of Liberty Lobby, which was publishing this text at the well time. Well I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So he lays out a list of figures in American history he thought were pretty much on side with him. Uh-huh. Uh, one of him. One of them was a friend of the pod and alumnus, Henry Ford. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he listed Henry Ford as a populist for all the reasons you would expect. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's start off here. Uh, so we're here to basically sort of th- talk about how fascists are making their way into mainstream American conservatism. So I feel like I need to bring up a specific modern organization that's pretty much the experts at doing this right now, Patriot Front.
1: Yeah, you've heard of them, right? Yeah, they're great at parties.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 fantastic. A bunch of suburban nerds from Texas. Oh, great, great. Rich kids, fantastic. Uh So, about, mm, I don't remember exactly when. It was warmer out at the time, I believe. A bunch of Patriot Front's west coast and and west of the Appalachians affiliates packed themselves into the back of a U-Haul intending to go crash a pride parade in Boise or or Curdalene or something like that in Idaho. Uh, And they got their shit rocked. Sure did. Pretty much as soon as they hopped out the back of the truck They were all immediately arrested by
1: Boise PD Yeah, I mean, in fairness to them uh, Getting out of a U-Haul after baking in the sun You don't really stand much of a chance I I once rode in the back of a U-Haul from New York City All the way back to Rhode Island And it was terrible (laughs) So uh, Zero Stars would not recommend? Absolutely terrible It's, It's so much worse doing that in a group of people Who are all just farting in there and talking about God knows what.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I would would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation, but there's some things even I won't do for intelligence purposes, and hanging out with those nerds is definitely one of them. That would be a huge bummer. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, So even down in New England, we've had quite a bit of uh, fascists attempting to operate as Republican operatives from time to time. There's been a lot of that going on a few days a few. I
1: don't know, past few decades or so. Yeah, well, I mean, it's that's that's the the lowest hanging fruit for trying to mainstream your ideas. You know, you want to you want to latch on to people that are in, or at least have a, a toe in the mainstream right. You know, the, the whole idea there's a there's a group among the far right like the mainstreamers versus the revolutionaries. Yeah, whatever. yeah, they have a slightly different term for it. Vanguardists. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, vanguardist, whether, not to be like a centrist on this podcast But we're pretty explicitly a black and red anarchist podcast But like, if anyone comes to you and describes themselves as a vanguardist Whether they're white nationalists or Marxists or socialists or national socialists They're pretty insufferable, just generally Like, that's just an insufferable way to do politics, I think
1: A few things are as much of a bummer as someone coming up to you saying Hey, I'm the revolution and you should follow me and my usual follow-up is, "Excuse me, who are you?" <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, to me, it's a fundamentally obnoxious position. Uh, well,
0: it's it, and it's it's quite a contradictory position if your politics are supposedly democratic and egalitarian. But
1: yeah, um, that's uh, not great. Everything here is free. You can take as much as you like. So you know, especially if you describe yourself as a vanguardist, you know, also being like, "Hey, I'm also a populist." I mean, there's there's a sort of contradiction in terms there, where like if you're saying I'm leading the revolution, but I'm also taking, you know, taking my cues from the people, it's just it's silly. Yes,
0: yeah. it's, it's so, not how words work. So we've uh, come up with a term on this podcast we've been using for about two and a half years now. It's we anywhere. we we like to refer yeah. to. Uh, I like to refer to politics among the white nationalists as a game of America's next top Führer, sort of a reality game show type situation. Uh, and so Willis Carto was not really trying to play the game as much as some of the other people we featured on this podcast. He wasn't like a William Dudley Pelley or a George Lincoln Rockwell or even a Francis Parker Yaki. Um, what he was trying to do more so was to sort of take his ideas of post-war neo-Nazism and fascism and sort of make, make them palatable enough to function as a uh, Washington DC operative, basically. What's going on? We can hit Zoom, whatever right. like. So, as we were talking about uh, the attempts by fascists to mainstream themselves among conservatives, uh, I was reading yesterday that Kanye West is planning to run for president in 2024. He's
1: said that before.
0: Yes, um, but he seems serious enough to have already hired a campaign manager and a communications director. You can do a lot of things when you're a billionaire. True. Um, but you'll never guess who his communications director is going to be.
1: Uh, me. No? No. Uh, no. Nick Fuentes, actually. Oh, he's he's a communicator. Yeah, he's communicated. What has he communicated?
0: uh, Mostly just anti-Semitism. He he's he's a rich kid from suburban Chicago who who is ethnically Hispanic, hence Fuentes, Yeah. but yeah. he's he's light-skinned enough to pass himself off as a rich white kid, so that's pretty much been his grift this entire time. Your loyalism won't save you. Yeah. No, no <laughs> it will not. Never does. Uh, it never does. It just buys you
1: time uh, and hatred the, of your contemporary.
0: There's also the little-known, well, actually very known fact among everybody who's not a, a self-proclaimed groiper, which is not a term that will appear again on this podcast. I, I just hate saying that out loud. It sounds... Weird. like if, if some like 18 year old walked up to himself and proclaimed himself walked up to me and proclaimed himself a griper uh he's legally an adult and i am i i don't face any stiffer penalties for hitting him than i would for hitting anybody else that you know said incomprehensible things directly in my face so yeah yeah. So
1: just just keep that in mind. Um, and uh, I, I think, again, this is a difference in, in our, our, our tactics. We were just talking about our, our dear friends in the NSC doing a photo op at the town just across the river.
0: Hi, guys. I'm sure you guys are listening to this podcast. And, uh, so
1: we are fully aware of
0: who you guys are. We're, you know, we're working on figuring out who you are.
1: And, you know, Doc said, uh, you know... He, if he were in that situation, perhaps he might feel like confrontation would be the smartest approach.
0: And I, I would say at least leur- dividing and conquering them would be smarter in that confrontational approach rather than, like, trying to fight four or five big guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know. And so, so my... Response would be a little bit different. I would do my best to remain unseen and get photos of their faces without their silly death's heads on top. So, just like this example you mentioned, where if someone walked up to you and said that they were a Groiper, uh, you would hit them, my response would be I'd pull out my phone, take a picture of their face, and say, Thank you.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Thank you for me know. That's, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that's true too.
1: I'm
0: I'm I'm trying my best to be get somewhat better at these like sneaky Osint type games.
1: I just I, I don't have the ideal temperament for it, although you know it, that's fine. A diversity of tactics is important. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not everyone can do everyone's different types of roles. You know, mm-hmm. and also level of risk exposure is important as well. You know, everyone has a different threshold of engagement, but the important thing is that everyone be engaged to the max. Of their their ability. Right. So speaking of being engaged uh, to the maximum. Uh, ability,
0: there have been uh, quite a few local callers in our neck of the woods who have expressed interest in a sort of a text that I haven't quite covered on this podcast yet. I'm I'm not sure I'm going to. I already covered the International Jew, which is pretty much just a summary of this book
1: in particular. It's just a version that Henry Ford could copyright.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's been a lot of people calling into uh, our local right wing talk radio about the protocols of the Elders of Zion. So because I spent all my time talking talking about horrible
1: unreadable books maybe you'd like to fill the audience in uh, on the protocols yes yeah, so so what have a great day. One of the reasons this is a big bummer is it's it's been used to peddle bigotry around the world. You know, Henry Ford was a big fan of this book. So was, you know, Adolf Hitler uh, and quite a few other people. And so right around a year ago at this point, uh, an elderly caller from Westerly called into uh, Rocky's radio show. Rocky is a Saturday morning host on 94.9. And his show is, you could basically consider it like Far right Christian populism. Like he, he presents it. Populism. You know, like,
0: ah, real populism. Not like Willis Carter's yeah, populism. I mean, like like he, actual he populism. He has like
1: a whole fan club and basically he just peddles John Bercher conspiracy theories and talks about God and all that. And, and you know, mm. whatever. Anyway, this guy calls in and he says, you know, well, if you really want to find out what's going on, you should read the protocols of the elders of Zion. And so I called in directly after. I was like, hey, Rocky, I don't expect you to know what this is. And I don't even know that this person knows what this is. But this is a document that was put out by the uh, Imperial Russian Secret Police. This is really dangerous. You know, it's led to tons and tons of deaths, including the Holocaust. It pogroms all throughout Eastern Europe. It's why most of your Jewish friends are in America now. Yeah. Um, Um, And so I tell him this, and Rocky's like, hey, hey, this guy was not espousing it. He was just saying he's reading it. And I was like... All right, fair enough. There's a world in which that could be possible. and then Yeah, he- yeah
0: Rocky <laughs> may not be familiar with this, but we are on this podcast. So because Black and Red Book Review is sort of the less friendly twin to Autonomia, I have to emphasize again... The, the, the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists Are lying constantly all the time They're lying to other people They're lying to each other Except when they accuse each other of being snitches and or pedophiles Basically everyone who's a white nationalist Is snitching and or a pedophile And or a wife beater At various, you know, moments in time
1: Yeah, and you know Hey, that's a, a, a big bummer uh, Yeah So anyway, the, I, I said to him, you know Okay, fair enough That, that is theoretically possible And... I, I, he starts to immediately redirect the conversation to talk about how Soviet Russia was bad for the Jews, and I'm like, "That's not what I called in about." Stay
0: focused. <laughs> and he starts screaming, just that reflexive, like, "Man, fuck those commies!" And like, you know, it's we like, we're not a communist podcast. We we're pretty both anarchists, a pretty explicitly anarchist podcast. We have friends who are socialists, certainly. Yeah. But like, generally, if a person is yelling about the Soviet Union after you're explaining how a, a book from the Czars is meant to uh, cover up the Czars' many problems and blame them on the Jews, maybe that person has an agenda that they're trying to push?
1: It's entirely possible, although he did say this morning in his show that he is, uh, he has no agenda other than what's good for the people. Oh, Uh, and so here's
0: my my next question. Generally, a person who has an agenda that he proclaims is good for the people pretty much decides what he thinks is good for the people, and that's what's going to go generally, right?
1: Well, so he says he's not on both—he's against both sides, and by that he doesn't mean he's a centrist. By that he means he's angry at the left because of the left, and he's angry at the right for not being right enough. So he's (laughs) to the right of the mainstream right. Uh, Very significantly. So— I wonder if Rocky's actually read Willis Carto
0: Because over and over again in this book Willis Carto lays out a sort of Quote unquote Populist read white nationalist Critique of uh, American conservatism That was hilarious So I wanted to actually reiterate a section that I read last night uh, for your Just to see your reaction to this So Willis Carto uh, Explains that conservatives are And I, I might be being Slightly unfair but it strikes me as an accurate summary To him conservatives were Basically Marxists uh uh what? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, Okay. So according to Willis Carto, uh conservatives are basically marxists because marxists believe in believe in economic determinism they basically believe that economics is somewhat real and that it somewhat impacts people on a material level and so he was like well conservatives believe in trickle-down economics and that we should just free the markets
1: and let markets tear up social hierarchies and that makes them basically communists you know you mentioned economics, and boy, we're meandering, because we still haven't got through the protocol story yet. But no. anyway, we're meandering here. Yeah, this
0: is a Freeform so, uh, episode.
1: So there was an instance where I was at a protest in Providence, and I had a green anarchist flag, which is a, a black flag with a green uh, I don't know, triangle. You you know the flag. Yeah, it's bisected it. triangle. Bisected. Yeah. there you go. Yep. So, so I have this flag, and this guy's like, oh my god, I've never seen a real green anarchist before. <laughs> what are you all about? I'm like, well, I believe in environmentalism and I think that society, uh, modern civilization is a serious driver as it exists of economic, or, or, um, environmental devastation and it's right. not great. And he's like, well, what's your economic policy? I'm like, dude, I don't even care about economic policy. I don't even, even believe in economic policies. He's <laughs> just like, I have no idea what to say that. I'm, I'm like, I didn't think you would. <laughs> like, I wasn't really a fourteen-year-old the- <laughs> walking up to me. Like, <laughs> I wasn't in the mood for a conversation,
0: dude. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: you, you want you want me to sit here and tell you how I believe economies are seriously problematic as they exist to human well-being and the environment? Sure, we can have that conversation. But you're not. You don't want to have that conversation anyway. So just go away. <laughs> yeah, like you do I don't watch you here and get. Ugh. Jesus, that's horrible. Yeah, it it was weird. Um, And and to bring us back to the the protocols thing, so he calls in to Lee Elsie's show. Lee's a personal friend of mine. We differ on a lot of things, but he's done more to platform left ideas than most (laughs) (laughs) left-wingers. And so so there's a certain respect there. Anyway, he calls in and tells him that you you need to read the protocols to know what's really going on. And I call in and say, like, listen. Again, I have no reason to expect that you would know what this is. That's not your job to know what this is. I'm going to tell you what this is, so now you know. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I talked to him a, a bunch over the next few weeks about it and the deaths it's led to, all that kind of stuff. And this guy didn't call back in for many, many months until today. And he put, today today this morning, right now this morning on Rocky's uh, weekend show. Holy shit! And so he was like, hey. Uh, You need uh, He's like I'm very very sad Because people don't realize Who their real enemy is Uh oh I'm like ooh The real enemy I'm like okay He's probably winding up (laughs) Yep And so he's like You need to read the protocols Wait hold on (laughs) Hold on I've heard this before Did he say the words Do your own research Uh Not in those specific terms Uh, Ah Essentially yes uh, Ah Yep And so that's a thing that he said. He said, you know, you need to read it, you need to figure out what's going on. Um, Rocky, again, doesn't challenge him, despite the fact that he knows what this is, but he just sort of redirects the conversation. and says, like, hey, well, let's go... So,
0: now, you know, uh, uh, now, uh, you know, uh On this podcast, we have a term for people who uh, do not respond when something is morally and factually wrong and choose not to challenge it and knuckle under. And the word for that is coward. I was going to say, that that
1: would be my word for it. So, uh,
0: I don't know if if Rocky, whatever his name is, is going to actually listen to this podcast. I'm sure it'll make his way to him eventually. He seems like one of those
1: narcissistic people who wants to hear whenever his name comes up. Well, you know, actually there's an interesting inverse expression of narcissism that comes up with him. Anything he disagrees with, he immediately ignores it. And he, he says that as a badge of
0: Honor. Oh, so that's interesting. He's like, I just so, walk away if I don't so, agree with it. So, okay, so since Rocky's response to people who disagree with him and explain why he's factually wrong is to ignore him, I'm sure he'll ignore me when I personally Doc, the host of Black and Red Book Review Podcast, explain that Rocky's a coward and a piece of shit. I have no problem saying that. Rocky, whatever his name is, who's some sort of failed local candidate, uh, once again a right-wing radio host here, is a coward and a piece of shit. So
1: yeah, anyway I, I, I've often uh, danced around calling him a coward When I say he has no problem Calling me a communist On the biggest radio show in Connecticut But doesn't? he's not brave enough to respond to emails Fact checking him When he says things that are blatantly wrong It's easier to ignore He got really about. mad at that <laughs> um, He also got really really mad When I wasn't singing God Bless America At uh, the Sister Station 94.9 Centennial Party mm. And first of all look forward and sing it yourself. But the reason that I wasn't singing it is, A, I'm not much of a singer. I'm not really into nationalism. But also, I was laughing with my wife because the singer got the words wrong several times. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was funny to me because it, this like Marilyn Monroe impersonator is getting, oh no. is getting this virtue-signaling song wrong. And everyone's just rolling with it. And I'm laughing because of the sheer absurdity of this display of, of pseudo-patriotism. Right, And... She said, "You know, through the night uh, through the through the light with the night from above," and uh, also said, uh, "To the oceans white with fire." Uh, and ocean, that, if the,
0: uh, don't ocean. get me wrong; the oceans are in bad shape. Like <laughs> the, the the oceans could be conceivably on
1: fire. And and those those were not the lyrics. To the uh, song. and so sad. I found that very amusing. <laughs> and uh, Rocky, for several weeks after that, opened his show with "God Bless America" and was like, "We sing it here," blah blah blah. And I was just like, see, see, this is a thing that I've touched on on this podcast
0: before, although we don't really cover conservatives as much, but certainly in my experience, it seems to be interesting. Conservatives as a, as, a, as a political grouping seem to have two different contradictory desires at the same time. Yeah. And they share these very much with your typical rank-and-file fascists. They want to both suck up to and defend existing power structures
1: while being seen as rebelling against those power structures yeah it's uh, it's so strange and you know that that's actually why i spend so much time talking to conservatives is because if you can focus more on the the rebelling and actually say like hey rebelling makes sense, but, like, maybe not rebel on behalf of your overlords. Yeah, like, Um, if you're
0: going to go, for example, if you were going to go do an armed siege of the U.S. Capitol, which is not something that either of us are involved with in any way. Or opposed to. Or opposed to, necessarily, no. But if you were going to go do such a thing of your own volition, maybe don't do that to try to instill, like, a Wall Street billionaire And keep in mind, when I say Wall Street billionaire, I mean a guy who is a billionaire who works on Wall Street, not a parentheses, 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 Wall Street billionaire.
1: Does he work, though? Uh, He works on Wall Street. That's kind of... Oh. Anyway, uh, Mm. so... Yeah, it's 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 weird. You probably also wouldn't like s- overlappingly, redundantly record and live stream that entire thing with no efforts to hide your identity.
0: Well, yeah, probably wouldn't it, do that either. It, yeah, well, it kind of followed inevitably from the fact that they made part of their platform being anti-maskers. Like yeah. that, they called themselves that. They refuse to wear yeah. masks. They will not wear them indoors, even when they're committing federal crimes on camera. Yeah, it's sort it sort of walked into that one. Yeah, um, I, I mean, there was one, that one guy that beat a cop to death with a thin blue line flag, like.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, this, there have been some arguments about, you know, what killed who and who killed what as a result of what, but the beating certainly happened. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't know if that particular <laughs> one died, but it, there's a certain visual irony. It, it's right up there with the, um, the the thin blue line anti-mask protesters dancing to, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me about <laughs> raging <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. it's <was> really bizarre. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: and, and yeah, so this... Um, this guy calls in, and I didn't call in because the show ended, but I went to his Facebook profile, which I've been... I'm pause
0: Hello, everyone. So, sorry about that. Uh, we're running a, a free store down in this lovely post-industrial hellscape of the city, so... Sure. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, we've been talking about the uh, overlap between mainstream conservatives and the fascists trying to make their way into their spaces. Uh so we've mentioned Nick Fuentes, we've mentioned Willis Carto, certainly
1: we've mentioned Milo Yiannopoulos. I remember where we are. That's great. Yeah. So um, I, I went to this the, the caller's Facebook page, and I'm leaving his name out of the, out of the kindness of my heart, because his fa- entire Facebook page is public, and it's mostly just videos of him dancing with old people. Uh, but today, he put out, I have much for which to be grateful, but least among them is, and then links to realhistorychan.com, which is short, Chan? For, which is short for Real History that's Channel. Got, that's going to be the worst Chan of all. Yeah, and I've been on 8chan. It, it, it sure is. Um, and so they're selling their own version of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, illustrations and annotations by M.S. King. Uh-oh. And so, uh, protocols... Is did- that N-S-King? No, no. Uh, uh M mm, as in Mancy. That could have been clever. As in Nancy Ah. Uh, Archer reference. Gotcha. Anyway, um, price reduced by 20%, so get it while you can. Wait, I thought the only people who hunted for bargains were... Never mind, we're not gonna... We're yeah. not gonna... Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh... The mysteriously prophetic conspiracy theory publication which rocked Europe more than 100 years ago. And by rocked Europe, they mean ethnic cleansing. Yeah, there were pogroms. Yeah, that's (laughs) what the word pogrom means. Is is believed to be the meetings of... Wait, wait, hold on. Pause. Because we're a pedantic book reading podcast. Is believed to be the meetings of this... I misread because I'm bad at reading. That's okay. It is believed to be the minutes of secret meetings of Jewish globalists. Oh, boy. It literally says Jewish globalists, not just globalists. Yeah, so uh, in addition
0: to defeating the purpose of a dog whistle, which let's define that again. A dog whistle is a normal sounding Mm. term that's used to cover up an explicit racist slur or point that's being made. So in addition to defeating the purpose of the term globalist by, by as they alt-right used to say, naming the Jew, uh, again, I have to point out how hilarious it is that as they're advocating for why this book is true And why you should spend your hard-earned money to buy it It is believed to be the meeting The minutes or meetings or whatever Of this secret council That doesn't actually establish that it is Because it isn't Well, you know, the fun
1: thing is you know, they, they go throughout this website Oh, God, look at that website What is that, 1998? It is a lot I'll, Jesus Christ, I'll, I'll that's horrifying the, I'll send this to later But okay. at some point, it literally says All of the Jewish newspapers said that it was a forgery But
0: Wait, 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 wait okay, okay Hold on Okay, this person must, must have been in this game for a long time, because... What are they, in parentheses, afraid of? You're, you're, first of all, you're missing two parentheses. You need to get with the racist times, okay? Second of all, if you're gonna do
1: that, you don't later on just go with, like, the... Oh, my fucking God. This person is so bad at this. Yeah, they're really bad at, at dog whistles. Anyway, what are they, in parentheses, afraid of? And then it goes through all the debunking and literally says that, like whether or not it came from the imperial russian secret police or the jews is irrelevant because it's true either way. Oh, so it's just true regardless <laughs> so of It's just or, true. Oh, okay, cool. Later okay. on, it says Hitler mocked the Frankfurter Zeitung. Oh shit. For look at it that. Moans that is and screams over the protocol. So that's just Why I, are they citing Hitler? <laughs> they're
0: citing Hitler. There's a copy of Mein Kampf. There's one book in this podcast I swore I'd never cover because it's just so boring I couldn't get through chapter too. Same, like, I tried once. Like, But there's a copy of Mein Kampf being cited with its cover right in front of me on this
1: horribly designed website. Yeah. Oh my god. Submit paywin inquiry form, which definitely won't steal your identity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It does. And then here, here's all the all the payable. Hey. You want me to pay $12 for a PDF? No, fuck you. You want me to pay it to Pascal Publications, PO Box 804, Saddlebrook, New Jersey, 0750? Of course <laughs> it's in fucking New Jersey. I should have known. Anyway, um, yeah. Huh. That's uh Anyway, so so this caller who I once gave the leeway of being possibly ignorant of the roots. Posted that website. It's like okay at this point. I've done my due diligence to make sure this person isn't just dumb or you know Whatever insult is currently in vogue because I don't want to be you know slandering people I, Whatever. Anyway, that's fair I want to I want to make it very clear that this person is now putting out stuff attached with websites like this on their public Facebook profile calling in to tell people to read this knowing what's going on You're getting a more and more clear image of someone who knows exactly what they're doing. And this is a person who calls into a radio show that has a lot of public support, who is on a station whose weekday show is the top show in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Out of any radio station, out of any time slot, he is the top guy. Right. This person also, the, the person I'm friends with, goes on uh, a a national show a couple times a month as the the fill-in host for for a a national host who's a lunatic and is personal friends with Alex Jones. And every time I ask him, I'm like, how's that feeling? He's like, not great. Yeah, there's some people,
0: you know, sometimes your friends just do the kind of shit you're just embarrassed to be associated with them. Like, for example,
1: lying about uh, families of children who are ruthlessly slaughtered by a gunman uh, and fucking... He Connecticut. Was really, really touchy about that because because my my radio host friend is um, he's friends with one of the cops that was like first on the scene, right? And so he gets really angry when people start doing that. But also, you know, he and I share this this idea that, like, you need to break into these bubbles as much as possible. Sure. And he tells me, like, he gets so many hate emails for when he does the national show. Like, <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? This is, you know, you're, you're not, you know, saying all this stuff that, you know, the, the main host says because he's, like, a little bit more measured. Yeah. You know, I'm a firm believer that people are reachable. And one of the reasons that I, I put so much effort into that is to prevent them from falling into the groups that Doc monitors. Because yeah, yeah. once
0: they're yeah, there, there's a no, lot harder. Yeah. See, See, I don't have the temperament to talk to uh, mainstream conservatives because I just get angry and start start yelling and or start swinging so that, let this be a warning to those of you who are conservatives who might have stumbled across this podcast uh, I, you're not that interesting to me personally, um, and you don't want to be interesting to me because I will ruin your fucking life if I get the chance. So, if you uh, are, because in this season we're exploring, you know, the fascists who are most popular uh, among the the more normy right. Uh, so if you happen to read any of these people and you start hanging out with uh, white nationalists and rambling about globalists and them and just the Jews, once you start yelling about how the Jews run the media, you're not a conservative anymore.
1: You're, you're a white nationalist, and more or less. And the thing is, is there, there is a very defined and well-trodden pipeline that goes from mainstream conservatism to these groups. And mm-hmm. I am very much not a conservative. Like, I, I dislike so much about their worldview. But more often than not, those aren't folks that are willing to take up guns and hurt people that I love. So at the very least, I'm trying to make sure they don't ever get there. Yeah, and that's fair. the best outcome, which has happened many times, is I've had people that used to be conservatives that are now anarchist-adjacent because— I actually take the words That conservatives say About like freedom And liberty And like resistance To tyranny But like I mean it
0: Yeah exactly <laughs> That's mainly the difference Between conservatives And anarchists Is that when anarchists Talk about freedom It's not a catchphrase Used to raise money We, we actually mean
1: that shit Right And that, that allows me To be uniquely positioned To enter those spaces And I want people To find out What an anarchist is Through me An anarchist Not from Sean Hannity Right So yeah. that, that's, that's why I do that You know I believe it's important for us to be pushing the boundaries of that ideological fight into their territory rather than have it go the inverse direction. And so. So you're well, taking the offensive by being nice. I'm taking the offensive by being nice and by ah. being approachable and offering an on ramp to our perspective and an off ramp from their perspective. Mm. You know, I think it's very important in places like the streets when people are, are being attacked to defend and be very militant. I think that's all very important, but that doesn't happen all the time. And what no. happens in the in between time? Like you can practice kickboxing, I guess, but also maybe try to set the stage for that fight in the future to be more in your favor. And we should be doing as much as we can to de-radicalize those folks, and even if possible, recruit from those folks because they're damn sure trying to recruit those same people to the far right side. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're not there being a counter voice. It's very easy for them to just fall right into it. So many people fall into this far right rabbit hole because it's so easy. Oh, it's the default, basically, especially it just takes on
0: time. on YouTube, on Twitter. Now, thanks to
1: Elon Musk, yeah, like I mean, it's, with the way it's these algorithms work. You know, you you watch uh, a, a video about you know history or something, and, and ten videos later, you're you're like into to QAnon territory. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what makes this whole oh yeah thing oh, so oh, oh dangerous, boy, these these algorithmic circles.
0: Yeah, I mean, even for me, like doing the research for the you know, the entire purpose of this podcast is me going into Nazi spaces and reading all their favorite authors. Like the idea for this actual podcast started from me going through. Uh, Uh, an old uh, chat on Unicorn Riot that was from 4chan. Uh, It was like a recommended reading list for newbie white nationalists and I was like, oh, I could totally do that and do a podcast about it. But like those guys are always trying to slither their way in and they're always trying to recruit you and they are trying to groom like angry confused like young white kids. Like that's just That's what it is.
1: Yeah, you know, the the disenfranchised- They're grooming, is what they're doing. Well, yeah. Yeah. The the disenfranchised are usually a very easy group of people to convince of things. And we have evidence of this all throughout history. So Mm -hmm. that also means the disenfranchised can be reached by folks like us and saying, hey, a little bit of uh, change might make this world better. You know, no matter what you feel about the Russian Revolution or, or Mao's Revolution, like, those people were disenfranchised folks being like, I'm sick of the current order, let's do something different. Right. And no matter how you feel about the direction they went, it's a case study of saying, okay, you can rally people to overthrow tyranny as it exists. The, the trick is to not install new tyranny, but that's harder. Yeah. But at or, least step one, you
0: yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to organize, you got to get together, and you got to figure out, like, you... I mean, you have to figure out where the money and power are going, and why you don't have any. And it's generally easier to do that if you just play follow the money and follow the the what what uh, some like newbie philosophers would call the flows of power or whatever. Like, yeah. like it's easier to do that if you just do that on its own terms and don't
1: just subscribe it to like you know, the globalists, or God forbid, the Jews, or whatever. Yeah, and you know, that's that's one of those things that I've, I've always had sort of an interesting relationship with, because like, I as a child did a lot of, not necessarily like watching of Alex Jones's show, but like the memes were like sort of uh, floating around in the ether of like the online libertarian space. Right. I grew up when, when 9-11 happened, a lot of people were, you know, worried about it, so I, I filtered around those spaces quite a bit, and... I had different attitudes that eventually led me out of that space. But like when I heard when I heard Globalist then and when I still hear it to this day, the first thing that I think is not necessarily the anti Semitic trope, but it's like the powers of capitalist relations that make this world go the way it goes. And so when people say that I often like okay do they mean it as a dog whistle or do they mean it like I did when I was a kid as just a stand in word for this power structure of capitalist relations that makes the world go round like
0: yeah so how do you relate are, to that are they trying to uh, do they know what they're doing and are they trying to, to use it as a stand in for the Jews or are they doing what Willis Carto does here where they're trying to draw a distinction between their idea of capitalism and how capitalism is supposed to work versus what capitalism is doing right in front of their faces you know that
1: bums me out so much when we talk about uh, how ca- like true capitalism? The whole Ron Paul thing, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why I left that space is yeah. because they always made fun of leftists by s- for saying that's not real socialism. Was it? Was
0: uh, was was this? This was presumably before you found out about the the newsletters with the, the anti-Semitic caricatures and all that. Because I uh, was Ron I, Paul you know, too.
1: I, I actually never saw those. Uh, oh, they're pretty gnarly. I, I I'm sure, but in that time I never saw those because yeah, you know the, the internet was still kind of a weird place. Anyway, I miss a weird internet. Well, you could have these like little bubbles of like not necessarily hateful spaces that had, you know, beliefs that were adjacent to problematic ones and you you could just as easily fall out as you could go into the rabbit hole and I happened to fall out. But anyway, you know, God, I've gotten off topic. But like, you you were mentioning something, oh, real capitalism. So when they would say, that wasn't real socialism or that wasn't real communism, all the the so-called libertarians would make fun of them. And I'd be like, yeah, it's kind of a silly thing. But then they'd be like, this isn't real capitalism. I'd be like, that's the same argument. (laughs) Where is this mythical real capitalism and how has it never existed anywhere? How does it always devolve into crony capitalism? Maybe that's because capitalism is inherently a cronyist type system. Yeah. And it's it's gonna do that. Yeah, like so (laughs) so
0: so even in the book that I just covered in the previous episode, Willis Carto had a whole section about he laid out his false distinction between capitalism and free enterprise. Yeah, it's Uh, so more than uh, yeah, yeah. He he lays out like he says, oh, you know, when the socialists come to power they wanna slaughter all the homeowners and all the formerly the impoverished former middle class. And he lays out over and over again that he is less angry with the super rich who are funding Liberty Lobby and his DC operations, by the way, yeah. versus the, the workers and the poor, especially the poors who are also less than white. Um... And so he had to draw a distinction between capitalism and free enterprise, which was basically just capitalism as it's run by small business tyrants. Whereas when the the small business tyrants, the one out of 100 of them that actually make it to be big business tyrants, then it's no longer capitalism at that
1: point. Yeah, it's so frustrating, you know, they see the moving the goalposts happening where you you could just, you know, and and this is, again, sort of where I got out of that libertarian right space because I was like, well, this just seems silly. Like, maybe capitalism is the problem. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe that's plausible. <laughs> like, you know, I grew up as a kid having a lot of conspiracy theory content. My parents were like sort of Reaganite Republicans, mm-hmm. but I also grew up seeing like an inconvenient truth and like seeing how pretty nature is. Yeah. So like, I, you know, rec- reconciling cool. those things. Big fans of it like, on this podcast. Maybe. Maybe I care more about nature than I do about the economy. Uh, uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and so you know, I, eh. You you and even then, like you can end up in like sort of an eco-fascist position. True. Like there's so many areas where you can fall into these far-right traps where if you're not careful. And so, me being a person who you know through no real uh, effort navigated their way out of it. It just sort of happened to me. But I know those spaces. And so I can exist in those spaces and I can have those conversations to try to pull folks out as much as possible.
0: Yeah. So this has been the closest this podcast is really ever going to come to a dialogue with the conservative right. And I've, you know, I'll have you back (laughs) on the podcast for other purposes at other times. But this has been sort of a way of extending the context of the Liberty Lobby and Willis Cartos whole lobbying effort. Uh, Thanks for joining me, Hayward. I appreciate that. Yeah, he wrote Uh, a book, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did write a book. Um, so that's part two, I guess. Yeah. 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 This is the, the part two, which is fairly free form, but it's gone fairly well. Uh, thank you all for joining me. And this has been doc. I will see you in the street.